Now, welcome to Aviation United by Aviation Zero. I'm delighted to be chatting with podcast host and founder of Sleep is a Skill, Molly McLaughlin. A very good day to you, Molly. How are you getting on? Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. Um, yes, I am doing quite well over here in uh, sunny Vegas, of all places. Oh, uh, you know, literally one of the sunniest places in, on the planet. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's really wonderful to be speaking with you today. So is it true what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas? <laughs> yes, their slogans are quite, uh, they're quite burned into many people's brains. So yeah, you can certainly see some wild things over here for sure. But we actually happen to be out a bit more in the desert part of it. Um, we, my boyfriend and I are, have been digital nomads for about the past three and a half years. So we've been traveling quite a bit. So we're kind of just uh, here for a little and then we're headed back to New York um, in a couple of weeks. So hopping around. So I, I, I don't upset any member of your family, but McLaughlin seems like an Irish name. Is it is it Irish? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Uh, quite Irish and born on St. Patrick's Day to to sweeten the the pot. And uh, and it is a point of a contention in our family that uh, whether we're full Irish or there's a bit of Scottish, you know, my my dad pulls for the Scottish roots, so it's, uh, yeah, but we love our, we love our Irish heritage for sure. Well, uh, because you're on this uh, Aviation Zero podcast, you're, you're Irish as far as we're concerned, so Fantastic. you keep doing its best to find those roots, but you're Irish today. Anyway, Molly, so can you tell listeners a little bit about your background? So we know you're in sunny Vegas. How did you pretty much come to this point of, of having an interest about sleep? Yeah, great question. Uh, Especially because, you know, the, well, the creation of sleep is a skill is meant to um, exist to help people optimize their sleep through technology, accountability, and behavioral change. And it was all born from a place of actually solving my own problem with my sleep um, for many years as a entrepreneur in the middle of Manhattan, I was burning the candle at both ends, going to bed late, waking up late, uh, had a lot of labels about my sleep that I was a night owl, I'm a short sleeper, I'm a bad sleeper, I'm all, you know, all kinds of labels. And that was kind of the world that I resided in around that area and didn't think too much of it, did not really connect as I was getting uh, more sick more frequently, a little more anxious as the years went on, uh, juggling all the things that I was juggling. And it wasn't until I went through my own period of insomnia, um, actually while traveling internationally, uh, so about three months of just really, really uh, challenging period of my life around sleep. And it was, there was literally just many, many nights and nights in a row of nothing. And it felt so disempowering and scary and concerning. Is this, is this going to stay like this? Um, you know, how am I going to get up under this? And when it really got to some of its worst points is when I went to the doctors in uh, Croatia with Google Translate and left with their version of Ambien, uh, you know, and it was kind of this wake up call of, okay, this has got to get under control because what's the plan here? Am I, am I going to be taking a, a pill every night to go to sleep? What is, what, what can I do to make a difference with this? And yet feeling really powerless to do much about it because I felt like I tried so much. Um, 
So on the plus side, then that actually sent me down the rabbit hole of really learning all that I could learn about sleep and uh, chronobiology, circadian rhythms, infradian rhythms, all of these things that I just had had no clue about. And it really had me turn my life upside down um, and, and then not only restore my sleep to homeostasis, but optimize it to levels of consistent sleep and measurably consistent sleep that I had never been had access to in any of my life. Um, so I just, it changed my life so dramatically that I started just organically working with people one-on-one, started some small groups around it, and then it grew to uh, online trading courses, podcasts, uh, you know, weekly newsletters on the topic, all kinds of things have kind of developed out of it. Why is sleep so important? Yeah. And that's really the fundamental question here because it's, it's, this is all well and good, but why should I do, um, you know, because I'm making the argument that through technology, accountability, and behavioral change, we can impact this area, but why do all that? If it's, uh, you know, why is it a valiant uh, mission to go on? And what I say to that is that I'm making the argument that it's the one of the foundational kind of number one for making a difference with our health and well-being, uh, you know, certainly nutrition and fitness uh, are the, often the first things that come to mind for people, you know, New Year's resolutions. Okay, I'm going to get to the gym. I'm going to eat right, all of this stuff. But very often the sleep kind of gets neglected. Um, but from a foundational perspective, it really sets the tone for all of these other areas of our life and has a um, insidious nature in dripping into all these other areas of our lives if we don't have it under control. And so what I mean by that is just the specifics we could rattle off uh, you know, for days about all the things that can kind of go awry. So cardiovascular health, uh, glucose stability, hormonal balances, um, uh, from a psychological perspective, mood um, disorders can, you know, arise. Uh, a number of things can, can go off the rails if we are not kind of keeping uh, this in check regularly and consistently. So then, Molly, how many hours of sleep should we have uh, per night? I mean, are we talking like you know, six hours, seven hours, eight hours. Is there an, an actual recommended amount of sleep we should have? Oh, yeah. So right now, because I think it's also important to come from the context that one, um, there's still so much we don't understand about sleep in general. There's still so, so many mysteries around it. So um, I fully anticipate that what some of the standards that we're putting out. Um, I think that as the years progress and as we're able to gather more and more data, as the technology gets uh, better and more robust, um, that we'll be able to kind of have more uh, knowingness on this area. But right now, the general rule of thumb is that for the average adult, between seven to nine hours is the recommendation uh, of a range. But of course, in different areas of your life, so teenagers um, can fall on a, on a uh, more extensive range with that. So sleeping longer and for people um, as they're reaching uh, you know, as they get older, particularly 65 and old, older, uh, sleeping a bit less. So this is something that's certainly not uh, static. It's certainly a dynamic range. The, the, the signs and symptoms then of poor sleeping, what, what can we expect if we do have lack of sleep? Uh, yeah. So what we can expect for some of these signs and symptoms, and it's a, it's a great point because say if we're taking someone that is, um, you know, really 
pretty great health. Uh, they're consistently working out. Things are, um, they're eating well, uh, not a, a, a chronic amount of stress, uh, not a lot of, you know, certainly travel, jet lag, disruptions, consistent sleep. You can go a few days um, and certainly have even, you know, you can still see the effects even for that type of person with a couple days of sleep deprivation for sure. But, you know, they might be able to rebound, um, with more velocity than someone that already is coming from the, coming to the plate, um, you know, with more disturbances, more inconsistencies and a number of other problems that are kind of confounding that. Um, but so a couple things when we do experience, uh, acute sleep deprivation, our glucose levels tend to rise, um, our immune system certainly gets disrupted, uh, as well as our cardiovascular health tends to um, uh, negatively shift. So what that can look like is a rise in heart rate, uh, a drop in HRV, uh, and again, this is for kind of chronic or acute and uh, respiratory rate can shift, body temperature can shift because of course thermoregulation for the body um, is really tightly knit, uh, controlled with sleep and wake cycles. So those are just some of the things that can go off the rails if we're not uh, taking care of this area. And can lack of sleep, I mean, I read something many, many moons ago that lack of sleep is similar to being kind of drunk is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's been a, um, a few interesting kind of looks at this and from a perspective of reaction time. Um, and so if you're, you know, kind of testing someone after they've been awake for over, you know, 24 hours versus um, have had a couple drinks that they can look sort of similar. And uh, so it certainly becomes really an important look uh, in more life or death situations for doctors, for uh, certainly pilots, um, you know, yes. a number of right, very um, important roles in our society that we want to get this under control because that can lead to some safety issues uh, down the road. I can assure you, Molly, if anybody talks to me for, for one minute or two minutes, they'll have no problem sleeping. <laughs> I don't think that's true. We <laughs> know nothing required, no therapy, no medication, no, no, nothing. So it's just in case. anybody listening out there, if you problem sleeping, just talk to me for two minutes. You'll have no problems. Um, what <laughs> about body? So uh, the sleep deficit lead to fatigue. We always have this kind of, you know, association with, with lack of sleep and fatigue. So how does that work? Yeah, so lack of sleep and fatigue certainly tend to go hand in hand. And once we are fatigued throughout our day, that can be where things can begin to go awry, um, in particularly in the 21st century. So what I mean by that is um, we might be apt to do some behaviors that can, uh, can set us up for more problems that night and subsequent nights. So what that can look like is either... Um, taking longer naps than we might normally do, which can deplete us of adenosine, um, you know, daily production of adenosine, which points to sleep pressure at the end of the night. So that can wipe up some of that supply. Uh, you can also tend to lean to things like caffeine or other stimulants uh, to kind of make it through that day. And then that can also impact uh, the time, not only the time that you go to sleep, but also the quality of that sleep, depending on the timing of that. 
Um, and then from that place, you can also, uh, you know, have those higher glucose levels. So you might be more apt to be grabbing for the types of foods that can send those glucose levels, you know, kind of surging, but then also, uh, that crash and for, anxious prone people, which, you know, a lot of people that I'm working with might have difficulty or dealing with anxiety. Um, and so when you're, when you're going that route, then you like some of the symptomology around having that unstable, um, instability in your glucose can be, uh, instability in your moods as well. So all of those things can kind of create this perfect storm for difficulty with your sleep because those all play a role in that. Um, and also in the 21st century, if we even pan out, part of the reason I make this argument that sleep is a skill is kind of, I do understand that it's also kind of ironic because we would like to think that sleep is a given and innate right or thing that we all um, can do easily. We're born being able to do it. And yet, uh, you know, I'm making this argument pretty much since Thomas Edison, since we're able to augment our days artificially uh, with light and be able to suddenly create 24 hour days if we choose, um, that that's played a huge, huge uh, role in our overall health, but also lifestyle. And because previous to that, if we look at it from an ancestral perspective, we were always much more tethered to the rhythms of nature. So sun would rise and you would have a full day uh, to get things done. It was the best productivity hack there was because you only had so many hours of sunlight. And then once it went down, you know, that was pretty much the end of your day in a lot of ways. And then later on in history, thousands of years, then we discovered um, fire and fire could extend um, the length of our days a little bit. And then further down in human history, we, you know, had candles, but often you had to be wealthy to do that. Um, and so for mm -hmm. so long that would it, you would be very, very strange to do what many of us do and don't think much of it is, you know, watching Netflix and uh, wine and popcorn until three in the morning is not even that weird nowadays. But if you were doing something like that back in tribal days, it would be very, very strange behavior to kind of be wandering around to these hours in the middle of the total darkness. Uh, so if you kind of put it into these contexts, we understand how far off of our natural rhythms we've gotten. And we're only just really beginning to now understand some of the uh, implications around this on our, on our health and some interesting uh, findings have really come out even just within the last five years around sleep science of what this actually does to our, our body, both on a short-term basis, but also a long-term basis. Is, I mean, as, as we're chatting here today about sleep, obviously it affects a lot of aviation professionals because they work irregular hours. I mean, what, what can they actually do? I mean, I know myself when I was flying, sometimes you'd be, um, you know, be waking up at say one o'clock or two o'clock in the morning to depart maybe at 4 a.m. and then the following day you'd be maybe departing in the evening so your kind of your body clock um will be a little bit out of sync what would you recommend i mean is it better just to kind of like just sleep when you can rather than getting in a, into a time zone oh great question so one tool that i really recommend um certainly for uh, passengers of these uh, flights, but it, it can absolutely apply for the pilots and staff, is that um, uh, one app is called Time Shifter, if you're familiar with that one. No, tell oh, me. It's, Fill me in. Yeah, oh, it's fantastic. Really, really helpful. 
Um, and essentially what it is, is you put in your schedule, um, for whatever flight you have, any layovers that you might have, um, you know, how this, however, the, the connecting elements of this might go, but you put in the, all the details of your upcoming, um, you know, route. And then what it spits out is an algorithm and really a play-by-play -play of how to manage um, that particular trip and what to do when. And the, the way that they got that algorithm is really utilizing the same algorithm that NASA uses for their astronauts when in space, uh, because, you know, they're, they're going at such extraordinary, um, you know, uh, speeds. And from that place, at times the sun is rising and setting every 90 minutes. It's really confusing for the body. Yeah. Um, so they do a lot, lot, lot to ensure that they have strong circadian health. And part of that, um, part of that equation looks like a breakdown between uh, light being paramount, 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 super important. And that would come out on that time shifter app. So it will actually it instruct you even before your trip, uh, where you want to get light exposure, bright light exposure, and where you want to get darkness. Um, and then they have optional add-ons of if you utilize caffeine or melatonin, uh, at what points you would utilize those to further kind of help support jet lag. Um, and they're also going to be parlaying that app for shift workers and, you know, in other certain particular case by case basis is that can be very confusing for people on how to navigate what's going to really support, um, our chronobiology in ways that we're only just really beginning to understand. So some of the ways that you would be time shifting is, and by the way, whenever, um, you know, I, I shared that my boyfriend and I have been digital nomads for the past three years, and a lot of that was international travel. So we would look totally weird at different points because <laughs> if you're time shifting, part of the um, elements of that are that you're wearing uh, blue blockers if it's, if it's during the time that you're supposed to be uh, getting rest or kind of um, calming down in order to sleep, then you're wearing uh, dark blue blockers. So not the clear ones, but either amber or red. And then ideally anything else that can help protect uh, so that your, your skin and eyes aren't being exposed to too much light because even uh, you know, the photoreceptors in your skin are seeking out to see what time it is. And certainly your eyes, which are directly connected to your suprachiasmatic nucleus, which is your master clock in your brain. Uh, any way you can help kind of protect that. So often we would just wear like uh, baseball hats and sunglasses <laughs> and, you know, during that time. But then when it's the light portion of that trip, then you take all that off and you're the kind of annoying person on the flight that then has the light part turned on over you. And, oh, wow. um, you know, and you can utilize even uh, some of the lights from your different devices. And it is miraculous how much of a difference that that can make from just having that structure and helping your body not be so taxed throughout that whole uh, trip or, you know, for some of these long haul flights uh, so that you have a sense of what you're meant to be doing, even if you can't necessarily get a full amount of sleep. Some people will say, listen, I can't sleep on these flights. Um, you know, just that's how, how it is for them. And even with that, if you go through the motions of exposing the body to darkness, um, you know, closing your eyes, relaxation, all of that can still 
help further set and instruct the body of what parts of the, of the day were darkness and relaxation sleep um, portion and what parts were active and awake portion. Um, so that would definitely be a resource that I would recommend for people uh, to explore. And it can also just help further underscore uh, this this thing that we're pointing to, which is that as, uh, as human beings that are diurnal creatures, meaning we're meant to be active during the day and at rest at night, um, certainly flight can interrupt that when we're, we have this ability to quickly shift time zones. And what becomes really important with all that is pulling in um, the cardinal elements of circadian rhythm and trainment. And like we said, that's light and temperature, but even under nestled under temperature are a bunch of things that can impact our temperature, like meal timing, for instance. So you want to also kind of strategically, if it's the time when it's ideal for your body to be at rest and, you know, kind of getting that sleep, um, ideally not eating, even if the food kind of comes out on the flights or what have you, um, uh, like I've done, I've just mentioned to the flight attendants or what have you, oh, I'm going to be sleeping during this period, uh, you know, whatever. And sometimes they'll even allow us to get it after or whatever. Um, but it actually can really strategically tell your body from that cue of when you eat, um, because once we eat, then our body temperature goes up. It's very taxing on the body to go through the digestion process. Uh, so it's just, it keeps you up and it acts as a cue of like, okay, I guess we're getting energy. Presumably we're going to need to be up for a, a extended period of time. So the meal timings and meal types, so having high like sugar and processed items then can uh, bring about the instability in glucose and that can bring about wake-ups. Even once you do fall asleep, then you can have some uh, kind of unexpected and unwelcomed wake-ups as a result of those. So choosing those wisely. Uh, and then of course, things like exercise, um, alcohol will certainly raise body temperature. Um, you know, all of those things that might not apply in the, in the pilot, <laughs> hopefully not apply in the pilot uh, analogy, but just in general life uh, can really be things that we want to be mindful of to entrain that circadian rhythm uh, to the best of our abilities, even with jet lag in the mix. I can picture it, the the uh, cabin crew or the flight crew must love seeing you, your boyfriend coming on the planes. They're like, oh, here's here's this time shifter couple. They're gonna. Oh yeah, I know exactly. How ridiculous is <laughs> is this group? It's like we had one time all night, different meal times, and the lights <laughs> <I> will be on. <laughs> yeah, who are these jokers? I know it's really hysterical. And then when you do shift over into the awake portion. You know, often you'll be on the exact opposite spectrum of many of the rest of the people on the flight um, because for them it's just, you know, total darkness. And so then uh, certainly darkness is, uh, or melatonin is known as the hormone of darkness. So when darkness is present, for many of us, then that's the uh, reaction is to create more melatonin and we tend to sleep. So that's where we want to utilize strategically, really like a drug, how uh, the timing of our light and our darkness to suit what we're trying to do and achieve. And it's so crazy the difference it can make in the speed by which you kind of recover from jet lag. Because um, I've done both some of these long haul uh, trips without doing this and a ton with doing this. And it's just night and day, no pun intended. Oh, wow. Okay. No, I've never, I'll be honest with you, I've never heard of that. Um... Uh, that app before so it, it's it's great you've actually said it because um 
I think a lot of our listeners now will will, will have a greater insight, I mean, especially with the, the advice and suggestions you've given. So uh, thanks very much for sharing that because I, I never heard of that before. Um, yeah, and of course, you know, and you could technically just like kind of figure out the maths, walk yourself through if you have a knowingness around um, you know, that destination, because that's the other, of course, uh, general, um, you know, advice is like, what's the destination time that you're going to be living into? Okay, let's begin to kind of operate on that time zone. And what would that look like? Uh, so you could certainly kind of, cr- you know, crunch the numbers. And if you have a knowingness around that circadian element, um, but I think the many of us just don't quite know um, the best times for that light exposure, melatonin use, uh, caffeine, and um, and you know some of that meal timing element of things. If we uh, if we aren't grounded, because many of us aren't doing that in our day to day lives, so how would we think to be doing that in uh, a situation like that? You're you're the founder of Sleep is a Skill. So what what is Sleep is a Skill, and what techniques can you provide to help those with sleep difficulty? Yeah. So, um, so like I said about sleep as a skill, it is designed to help people optimize their sleep through three distinct, um, you know, kind of intersections. So technology, accountability, and behavioral change. So what that breaks down to is uh, there are different, uh, you know, websites you can go to, uh, organizations, different groups that you can speak to around uh, various supplements you can take with sleep. You can have different gadgets. Uh, all of that is great. And what we really do is focus more on uh, the behavioral element of things and also the um, the kind of mantra of what gets measured gets managed type of philosophy by pulling in some of the uh, core sleep tech that can help automate this so it's a little less um, you know daunting for people and it can kind of just happen naturally. Uh, and then bringing in that accountability to make some of the behavioral changes that certainly I didn't even know would make a big difference with my sleep back when, you know, I was doing all the things not to do with sleep. Uh, so for instance, uh, just about every person we work with wears um, an aura ring spelled O-U-R-A, no affiliation, you know, with the company or anything, but they're just great. Um, and it helps to, uh, ensure that one, we have a centralized kind of dashboard of uh, where everyone's both sleep and health are at because it will also pull uh, HRV, heart rate, respiratory rate, body temperature, and all of those can be helpful kind of indicators of how we're doing physically um, in addition to what time did we fall asleep, how long were we asleep, how many wake-ups did we have, uh, when did we wake up. And of course, none of these are infallible. Uh, they're not going to be as accurate as a polysonogram, which also is not infallible. Um, but it's one of the things that they tend to be pretty good at is the knowingness of if you're awake or asleep. So I wouldn't get too crazy about sleep stages with any of these. I know some people kind of point to, oh, I get, you know, only a couple minutes of deep sleep or, you know, a little tiny bit of REM and get stressed out. And that's definitely not the direction we want to go because unfortunately right now, anything that's on the hand or the wrist uh, is, you know, making their best guess with their algorithms of the sleep stages that you're in. You really more need to be on the brain to get, um, you know, better insights into that. And unfortunately the ones that are headband based at the moment uh, don't do, they're just still not really there yet for regular use for most people. 
So right now um, we use some of that tech and then we can then see what happens when we start instituting a couple key frameworks. Um, one coming from the sleep tripod, which looks at our psychology, physiology, and environment and ensuring that if any of those are kind of off kilter that we um, you know, kind of restore balance to that. So the tripod stands essentially and you can get great sleep. Um, and then also coming from circadian rhythm entrainment and the power of um, ensuring that we're getting full spectrum sunlight throughout the day, so really starting first thing in the morning, which is known as sunlight anchoring. Uh, you might've heard of that, or many people might've heard of the suggestion if you are traveling to a new place, you know, getting into, um, getting onto the rhythms, getting out in sunlight as soon as you can to kind of get onto that uh, time zone. And we essentially want to be doing that every single day, even if we're not going anywhere. So getting outside and getting that shot of sunlight actually sends a whole cascade of uh, kind of hormonal response and lets the body know what it needs to be doing for the day and help regulate uh, the balance of, for instance, cortisol and melatonin and ensuring that you're having uh, you know, the, the right amount of cortisol during the day um, and then having it helping it to ensure that it's dropping and moving into melatonin in the evening and light acts as a huge signal for that. And, uh, and of course on the flip side of light is darkness. So then we help, um, set people up to make sure they're wearing, you know, the blue blockers at sun, um, sunset, and then shifting over their whole environment to pull for darkness. Um, you know, so whether we set them up with, uh, you know, ideally, even if you just pull out some candles, which, you know, certainly can land as counterculture. But once people start doing that, it's amazing what uh, the difference they can feel with their sleep. But if you're not willing to do that, then moving to things like uh, red lights for very biohacker feel, or if you're not into that, then um, Himalayan salt lamps or another uh, kind of like warm glow that won't uh, do as much of a number on your melatonin production as other lights might do. And then worst case, um, you could also do incandescent lights or like Edison bulb lights uh, that have more red hues, uh, red tones in the, in the lighting. And the reason that, the, again, is all important for that melatonin production. Uh, and then we're also helping for people to get connected to that temperature change. So we're really aiming to get your activity up during the day get your body temperature up as it's designed to be, and then ensuring that it's dropping in the evening, uh, you know, really two to three degrees is what we're aiming to have it drop every single night. And it might not sound like a lot, but it's really a pretty significant drop. And um, when we do those things, and I mentioned like the eating late, which I used to stack most of my calories into the evening, um, eating late, drinking, um, having caffeine late, all of those things can bring up the body temperature and make it more challenging. One, to fall asleep. Two, once you are asleep, to get your heart rate lowered at the times that you want it to do and be able to get that rich sleep architecture that we're going for. So those are some of the things that we do from a gamification perspective and accountability approach to bring in all those behaviors that can make a difference with your sleep results, um, you know, quite reliably. And Molly, is that associated, I'm looking at your website here, uh, sleepisaskill.com, is that associated with the sleep reset, which is the 45 day online experience? Is yep, exactly. Yeah. So um, for this whole year, we've been running um, a series of cohorts with that one. Um, 
to put a number of people through and uh, it's been really cool because we've been able to get all kinds of feedback on that and one of the things that we're going to be launching uh, later this year is kind of um, what came out of that what people liked what they wanted to add in uh, so now it will even be going forward um, approached even from a further sleep optimization perspective too so then we can get um, a bit more in the weeds as well for uh, the more the biohacker type groups that are interested in uh, things like, you know, cold therapy and what that can do for thermoregulation and sleep, uh, things like red light therapy, things like infrared saunas or uh, heat therapies and, you know, even hot showers and all those that can help improve uh, sleep quality. And then, of course, you know, some people will want to go more into the different gadgets, um, things like, you know, chili pad uh, to cool your bed uh, while you sleep and a, a couple key things that can help really make a difference with your sleep results. Um, so that's one of the things that we'll be moving into, which is exciting. So then we'll be able to expand the community even larger. I'm sure the aviation industry might want to get involved in that. Yes. Well, we would love to have you guys, you know, and it's interesting too, because it's such an area that um, absolutely puts such value and weight onto sleep. Um, so I think there can, you know, you're often met uh, with the commitment and the knowingness of what it's like to not get sleep. Uh, so, you know, even more so than the average person. So I think that can be a great candidate to take this area on. Yes, you can see that with the wrinkles under my eyes and my gray hair. <laughs> my, my just for men is running out. So it's kind of... <laughs> yes. To, oh, my goodness. That... It up. It's either more sleep, Molly, or just for men. Whatever you like. I don't know. Um, so <laughs> so you're the, um, you have a podcast show as well. So what can our listeners expect uh, from your podcast show? Yeah, so um, the podcast is called the Sleep is a Skill podcast, and on there we speak with a bunch of different sleep experts, um, bring in some of the latest sleep tech, and uh, and then also just providing the, the real intention is that every single show you listen to, you can leave with practical takeaways uh, to really help make a difference with your sleep. Uh, you know, really immediately. And certainly part of the mantra too for us is that in order to impact your nights, we really want to also impact our days um, because so much of sleep, as we know, which can be so challenging, certainly for a personality like myself that, you know, really can want to, when I couldn't sleep, I wanted to try every possible way to try to force sleep. But unfortunately, it's kind of like the Chinese finger trap that when you try to force it, it's like the more stuck you get. Yeah. Um, whereas when we approach it from the days, and also some of this stuff might be some of the things that we're really ruminating about about, um, you know, night after night that's been mounting and, uh, you know, just really uh, providing this space of dis-ease in our, uh, the way that we're relating to sleep. So it might be even taking some of those on and being held accountable to bringing that accountability into just transforming certain areas that aren't working, um, you know, so it's a layered things that we might have to take on. But, you know, it helps us also to be more responsible for things like our thoughts, because that's even, um, there's a, believe it or not, a sleep gadget that will actually uh, cool your prefrontal cortex, because one of the findings was that when we're uh, kind of hyper aroused and at night and having difficulty to 
uh, calm the brain, then the temperature of the brain itself actually goes up, which gives you really some um, respect for what can actually happen in, um, in reality as it relates to the way we're thinking. So, you know, some of those are just some examples of how we can then bring back that control to ourselves. So once we get that the way we're running our days can end into our nights can really impact our results, the more we have power to get back into the driver's seat to restore this area. Well, I'm, as I say, I'm, I'm in the trance at your uh, website at the moment, sleepasaskill.com, and there's a lovely clock there, and there's a lot of these wonderful images spinning around it. So, yes, <laughs> <laughs> aviation <laughs> listeners, uh, aerospace and uh, transport hospitality, get yourself onto uh, sleepasaskill.com because it really is a lot of brilliant information there, which will be of uh, uh, great use to you all. So, where, where can our listeners then find you on social media, Molly? Are you on the typical Instagrams and the Facebooks and Yes. Yeah. So, um, you can definitely find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, all the, all the things, you know, at, um, sleep is a skill. And one of the best steps to take too can be to go to sleep since it acts as kind of a bucket for all the things. So you can click through on your favorite social media platform, um, you know, to follow that way. You can also download a free uh, PDF that is called the Optimized Bedroom. So 18 strategic tips to transform your bedroom space, both low-tech and high-tech options in there to make a difference with just kind of that environmental element of things that we were discussing. Um, And so you can get that for free. And then we also have that can sign you up for our weekly newsletter, literally called Molly's Monday Obsessions, since I'm I'm obsessive, as I called out, that it will have all the things I'm obsessing about in the area of sleep and health and wellness each week. Uh, So jam-packed with all kinds of resources in there. And then uh, we also have um, kind of some back articles on the website, but you can sign up to listen to the Sleep is a Skill podcast, uh, hear more about the online course, and um, you can also sign up to take a sleep assessment and get, you know, real humans responding back about your sleep uh, with some recommendations of things you can do to improve that and then uh, also learn other things that we might be able to help you no matter what space you're at with your sleep to help to improve it and take it to the next level. Well, I want to thank um, a, uh, our new honorary Irish woman today, uh, <laughs> Molly, Molly McLaughlin, for chatting with me today on Aviation by Aviation Zero. As uh, Molly has mentioned, uh, check out her brilliant website, uh, sleepisaskill.com and her uh, amazing podcast. Also. So thank you very much, Molly, for chatting with me today. Uh, well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you.